Jorge Soler, baby. Two bombs and huge bombs for Jorge Soler. One of them was that long. Paul Severino did not know how to react. It went that far. He's looking like a leadoff hitter yesterday. Two walks, two stolen bags, and a hit. Love to see it from Jazz. Plus, the bullpen. We're going to dig into this bullpen. Brazaban in particular has been an absolute stud. He's flying under the radar, but he is a stud. Digging into him. Plus, looking ahead to tonight's game. This evening's game. UK friendly game. All with the UK GOAT, Sean Barrett. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This, of course, is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter, of course, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Head on over there primarily for Jazz Chisholm Jr. 4040 trackers. Um, if you're listening to the pod, hit subscribe. Uh, and hello and welcome to the everydayers, of course. And thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. There is a YouTube channel. Head on over to there if you like. YouTube channel, by the way, it's called Locked on Marlins. Pretty simple. Head over there, subscribe, and you will see Sean Barrett is in the house and looking suave. Sean, how are we doing, brother? I'm not too bad, Peter. The sun's out, so you know what's happening. There's a few beers being sunk. I know. I know exactly what that means. You're just preparing for this Marlins game ahead that's on deck an hour and a bit's time. So this episode should be released. And you probably will have enough time, just about, if you prefer Locked on Marlins as your pre-game amuse-bouche, then this is the episode for you. And, Sean, I have to say that, boy, oh boy, Jorge Soler can hit some baseballs extremely far. And I was absolutely blown away by the reaction of Paul Severino in particular yesterday. Absolutely tickled me, the way that he just didn't know how to respond. It went that far. Um, but multi-home run day for Jorge Soler. He is leading and pacing the team in home runs. He is the free agent signing that the Marlins, I think, were hoping for and expecting. And I think this contract situation equally is playing out how I thought it would, where the opt-out situation in year three likely wouldn't be exercised. Like, it, 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 that's, I think, where we're trending towards here. So let's just start with the, the most recent action, mate. Last night's game, multi-home run day for Soler. I mean, he hits balls like... There's, there's few players that can hit balls like Jorge Soler. Um, just how impressive were these home runs for you, mate, last night? Oh, hugely. They were they were mammoth home runs. <laughs> I mean, we talked a lot about Soler coming to the Marlins and the idea that when he gets into one, he gets into one. So so Lone Depot Park wouldn't be an issue. Uh, Chase Field is actually quite a big stadium as well. I mean, I remember talking to a friend of mine about the idea that they had such a young, athletic, speedy outfield. And the reason why that was valuable to them is because the outfield is so big. It's, it's reminiscent of Lone Depot Park. So the, the fact that he made that park look small um, is, is testament to the power that he has, and yep. and you're right. This is the this is the Soler that the Marlins uh, were hoping to get when they signed him. 
the power. The, 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 you know, he could run into 30, 35, 40 home runs this season yeah. and and really get himself a, a, a secondary payday because he he his um his World Series um play with the Braves is kind of what the Marlins were hoping to get um when they signed him. So there'll be teams out there looking at this and saying this is a perfect guy for us. He's not going to hit for contact. He's going to be a 240 guy, but that power absolutely plays anywhere you need it to. Yeah, no doubt. Nine home runs on the year for Jorge Soler now, and he's OPSing over 800, which is always, I think, the water, the watermark there is what you want to see there for Soler. And if he carries on in this way, then he's absolutely not going to be opting into that deal. The question comes, and I, I thought about this a few weeks ago, actually, when he started hot and started to look ahead to this contract situation. Um, I'm interested to get your take, Sean, on, on what you feel the Marlins could be doing at this point. Um, I, I really, there's a situation where you could view Hoy Soler as, as a rental type guy. And so from a trade perspective, if they wanted to go and trade him at some point, uh, I think that avenue is open. But... What I'm interested about is whether the Marlins see Jorge Soler as, as maybe more of a midterm piece for this, this club and maybe look to try and do something to extend this contract and give them confidence that he will be around for the next couple of years. I don't know. Where's your head at here with, with Jorge Soler? I think for me, as a, as a, a pessimistic uh, Marlins fan, um, or maybe just a Marlins fan, you know, I think the pessimistic now. Is, is, yeah, I think it's all just driven into being a Marlins fan. <laughs> Uh, says uh, an extension is is unlikely. Um, uh -oh. Even more unlikely is him opting in to that nine million. Yeah, when, no when the deal was signed, it was confusing to me that they did twelve, fifteen, nine. Why not just do straight twelves? That might give the miners a more of an opportunity to expect him to re to come back next year for nine million. I mean, touch wood, Soler doesn't get injured, but he could get injured today. And and command more than nine million next year for sure. Nailed on. He's uh, already commanding more than that. Like based on what we've seen in the first like 35, 40 games, whatever it is, like nine million, uh, he's going past that already. And he'll be looking for multiple years above nine. So I think we all know that's cooked. Like he's opting out. And so with that in mind, how do the Marlins play it? If they want to get an extension done, it needs to be done today. <laughs> Let's go. The, the sooner the better. Yeah. Um, because it's only going to get more expensive, I think, if, if he keeps playing at the level that he's playing at. Mm. And that's not to say that he's, you know, he's getting Babbitt luck or he's getting home run to fly ratio. I've not even looked at the stats. I don't really care, which is bizarre for me. Wow. I know that what Soler is doing right now is sustainable for him. And yeah. so this is a case of if he's healthy, he's going to keep putting up these numbers and those numbers are going to afford him a large contract. So it needs to be done today. If they wait, then we are literally now waiting till the trade deadline. Are the Marlins in? Then they keep him. Are the Marlins out? Then they trade him. Yep. And and, and they get pieces for him. They, they hopefully do better than they did with Adam Duvall who is literally a carbon copy player. Yeah. Um, so it will be interesting to see what sort of value that they can command for him. But yeah, if there's going to be an extension, it needs to be done as soon as possible. Oh boy. I, I mean, that's the Adam Duball situation continues 
to baffle me. I, we keep on bringing it up. We go back to this deal originally. What I thought, I moved Adam Duvall for, I don't know, maybe they really highly valued Alex Jackson. Maybe that's it. I, I just don't really know how that, that all played out. Then they go and give more money than they would have had to have given to Adam Duvall, potentially, for effectively the same dude that has less ability in the outfield. It's, it's always puzzled me. Nevertheless, let's not get bogged down in those weeds because uh, I've, I've been bogged in them for multiple years now. Jorge Soler, like, it's clear they're, they're not a big power club right now. He is the main source of power. I think they'd like a touch more from Jazz. We'll talk about Jazz shortly uh, and what we've been seeing from him recently. But for me, when I look up and down the organization right now and looking around the rest of the roster, mate, there's not a lot of power options in this organization right now. So if they decide not to do anything with Jorge Soler contractually and you know either trade him or let him walk at the end of the year uh, as he can, um, I, feel, I feel this is going to leave a big hole, leave a real big hole for this Marlins organization right now. And one that I think will be a lot more expensive to fill than potentially a Jorge Soler deal right now. That's the concerning thing for me at this point. I'm just... I think the Marlins really need Jorge Soler. I think if he walks, it creates a massive problem for them, to be honest with you, heading into next year, particularly when we think there's an opportunity where Garrett Cooper also could be leaving. And I, I don't want to go down that path with you because those are tough conversations to have. But, you know, you've then got Coop going, you've got Soler going. Um, all of a sudden, you know, the top of this Marlins lineup seems is, is depleted pretty well. They're not going to be in the hunt for any elite free agents. You've got to kind of question, do the Marlins need Hoy Soler? And should they be getting a deal done urgently? I think they should. I think it is a case of, if you look at the guaranteed money that's in the organization next year, there's there's money to be spent. Yeah, I think it is a case of, if it's not Soler, then then who is it? And, and we've seen, like, obviously Soler... He didn't struggle necessarily last year, but it was mainly the injury. But we've seen with Eversal Garcia and we've seen with Gene Segura, like the, the transition into a new club, or at least especially with these aging players, the, that first year's a struggle. So mm. with Soler, you know that he's he's comfortable, he'll have his he'll have his home set up. I know that sometimes we look at the numbers and, and we get too focused, or I do get too focused on the black and white of the numbers, but these are human beings and you need to remember that. And I think Soler is is the perfect guy for the Marlins right now in the sense of he is that power back. You know he's got that pop, you know it plays in the ballpark, he's comfortable now with the organisation. It's it's a perfect fit and I think it depends on what the money is, is it? Two years, fifteen. Is it three years, fifteen? Is it, you know, it's it's how many years do do they need to go? How many do they want to go with a player who's going to be thirty two going into next year? We've seen Marlins struggle with aging players. Yeah. Do you do more millions for for one year or two years? I mean, Soler's going to be wanting a two or three year contract. Let's not let's not be foolish, especially with the way he's playing. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, at the end of the day, the Marlins are going to have to cough up to extend him. If, if not, then yes, they can get a trade piece in return. But 
as you said, there's there's not this big power bat in the miners that's going to be walking through that door and and paying in no. free agency. We saw what happened last year. Mm. You're you're spending too much money on on the guys at, at the at the basement of free agency. Miners can't compete for yep. the main main top guys. So yeah, yep. let's lock in Soler. Let's get that. You can never guarantee the thirty home runs, but if Soler's healthy, I feel quite comfortable saying penciled in thirty home runs and, and hope for more. Pencil them in, baby. I think you saw the value of Soler last night, right? Where, you know, three-run bomb. That's what you need. And I've always been intrigued with Soler hitting in the two-hole, to be honest with you, in, in, in the order. I've, I've always felt like the profile clearly is a different type of, you know, different type of spot. But, yeah, I think it's a really intriguing situation here. Uh, and I'm very interested to see what the Marlins do and how, whether they're aggressive with this situation. History tells us they won't be aggressive. We saw it with Starling Marte, for example. Marte was clearly an absolute stud, and they decided to open up negotiations like a week before the deadline or something. And it's too late. Too late. Wait and see on that one. After the ad, we are going to talk about Jazz. Lead off Jazz. And what we saw from him yesterday with a couple of walks, a couple of stolen bags maybe signals that there's a slight change of approach coming here from Jazz Chisholm Jr. Ah, but before we do that, first ad of the day, and it's our good friends over at So Rare, and they also now have some graphics. That's that's how you know you've made it, when you got the So Rare graphics. They are looking pumped. Guys, it, you know, I've been talking about these guys for a couple of weeks now, um, and hopefully you're already in the mix and playing along, but if not, um, So Rare, what is it? It's a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans like ourselves into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all the major league baseball teams. Uh, unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, so rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. It's free. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance. Collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next level competitions and rewards. Game weeks happen twice weekly and span a three, four day cycle. At the end of the game weeks, uh, the so rare managers who rank at the top or near top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which can include uh, uh, scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars like Jesus Sanchez. Prizes may vary depending on the competition. So what have you got to do? Pretty simple. Head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn. That is S-O for So and Rare, R-A-R-E. SoRare.com to draft your team of free players, set your lineup, start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. Right then, Mr. Bam Jr., the glove... The defense is fine. We're now comfortable with Jazz Chisholm Jr. in center field. There will still remain, you know, there'll be the odd hiccup and the spotlight will continue to shine on Jazz. And anything that he does slightly wrong in the outfield will be highlighted, let's say. What we now need to see is lead off Jazz. And we now need to see a type of approach where he, he doesn't have these, these ruts where it's like one for 25 with 15 strikeouts or something. 
The strikeout's been a bit high this year. Feels like, you know, the Marlins had a bit of a losing streak and Jazz was cold. It's obvious the connection. The Marlins need Jazz to be hot with the stick. So important. I know the glove has sorted itself out now, mate. But for me, the stick has to play with Jazz. He's the catalyst, particularly at the top of the order, with a Soler and a Ryers behind him, hitting behind, giving the chance to drive these runs in. How encouraged were you yesterday in that type, that type of performance? I feel like we haven't seen multi-walks, multi-stolen bags from Jazz in a long time. That may be wrong, but that's just the way I feel about it. How encouraging was that one yesterday? I think it's probably the most encouraging game since he first was moved into the, the top of the lineup. I think mm. we've talked a little bit about those first couple of games where he he'd spoken about I'm not a cleanup hitter. I'm a, a, I'm a I'm a hitter that's currently in the cleanup spot. Yeah, uh, and it almost almost to the day he was moved to the to the top of the lineup, and he got a couple of hits and and you know the speed plays there. I I mean I I've spoken enough about the idea that I'd like a, a more of a contact hitter at first, but but Jazz I think Jazz can become that. I think Jazz has the tools. He has the power. He has the speed. He has the swag. I know that doesn't mm. translate to the to the stats, but he's got that confidence. Put me in centre field, yeah, I'll be a stud there. And you know we all I certainly doubted it, mm. uh, and I've been proven wrong. Like. I know that the early days of that defence were a bit ropey, but I think you and Aaron talked about the idea that those mistakes he learned from. He made those mistakes once and then moved on from it. And and that's exactly what he's done. Hmm. And I think now that, as you said, now that we can put that defence concern to bed, we can focus now on the offence. And I think, I think Brent Brown is the perfect man because from everything I've heard from him in his quotes and the people talking about him, and, and the things he's done in this organisation, I think he is the perfect guy. For he is, He is. I think, it's early, don't get me wrong, Mel has a history of doing what he does, but I think Brent Brown can become the hitting version of Mel for the Marlins. Oh. Um, he came in highly regarded, you know, and, and he's, he's starting to back that up. We're seeing some things change in this offence, and, and for me that is hugely exciting. Jazz, yeah, he needs to he needs to play his game. You know, he needs to have that confidence. He needs to have that swag. But he also needs to play within himself. We we mm. spoke earlier about the idea that when he's going up against the wall and he's hitting the wall hard on on no doubters. Why why are you doing that? Don't don't worry about doing that. You know, the 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 approach swinging out of his shoes on 0-2 counts. You need mm. to you need to be smarter than that. Yeah, and I think that's slowly what we're seeing. We need to see a, a more reined in jazz. I want him to play, don't get me wrong, but mm. 35, 40% K rates isn't going to work at, at the major league level. Um he's got all the all the raw talent, the power, the speed, but he needs to rein it in a little bit and become more of a baseball player than a toolsy player. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like with Jazz, it's situational hitting within an at-bat itself. Like, you know, you talk about situational hitting of, okay, right, we got, you know, runners in scoring position or we're, we're, you know, two outs or whatever, where you've got this situational approach in general to an at-bat. Almost with Jazz, it's like situational hitting, but within the at-bats and making adjustments 
Um, you know, as he goes. The, the, I was talking about it yesterday with takes. The funny thing with Jazz this year that I've that I've seen is this just randomness of just kind of showing bunt, dropping a bunt like out of nowhere, um, which is keeping guys honest, I think, and you know, keeping people guessing, which I think is interesting. But to your point, those kind of O2 counts, you know, high in the zone, he's still he's still seeking those and swinging hard, looking for major high impact contact in those counts. Versus, do you remember like? And I definitely don't want Jazz Chisholm Jr. to become Corey Dickerson. Um, no way. And right when it was like two strikes on Dickerson, he would like just fully knuckle down. He'd widen the stance. It'd be like a completely different approach. Completely, he'd look completely different in that two strike situation. And so I do feel like there's a touch of that that needs to come from Jazz, where it's kind of green light. It's it's home run green light, you know, with no strikes one strikes, whatever it might be. And then maybe a slightly different approach, just factoring in where he's hitting in the order and factoring who's behind him in the lineup too with Soler and Arias. Like, that's the point. But moving away from Jazz, because oh, we're, we're running long already. We haven't even spoke about the bullpen. I wanted to ask you about one other hitter. You're talking about, you know, Brand Brown becoming the, the, the hitting coach version of Mel. And for me, is his finest work getting Jesus Sanchez back? Jesus Sanchez right now is on a heater, and he's hitting in a way we've never seen him hit before. And he's hitting an average reach before. Is this his, his finest work to date? I mean, if it isn't, it's got to be right up there with Jesus Sanchez. He has had, he's had the opportunity, and from what we can see right now, he's fully grasped it, mate. It's been sensational from Jesus Sanchez. Yeah, he's he's on he's on hot streak at the moment. There's no doubt in that. And again, I don't want to dig in too far into the numbers and and point out the 400 babbit that he's got for the season and and that maybe he's getting a little bit lucky. Look, at the end of the day, you could I could look at I could pick out numbers to say that Jesus Sanchez is a stud and he's back, and I could also pick out numbers to say that he was un, unlucky. At the moment, he's hitting the ball. He's he's having good at bats. That's that's something that the numbers will never show you. But ultimately, when you're watching the game, you can tell if a guy's playing well. Like, yeah. And and Jesus Sanchez is playing well right now, and and he's playing he's playing good baseball, and he's 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 having yeah he's having great at bats. And it is a case of if he is if this is just a hot streak, and De La Cruz has gone cold, just like vice versa. De La Cruz started off the season hot and and Jesus Sanchez was cold, then you play the hot streak. So you play delicate, you play Sanchez while he's hot. And then yep. if he falls down, someone else will you know, it is a case of the Marlins have got these young players and you just need to you need to maximize that. But if if Sanchez is is back, it's probably be a hard thing to say because what was his hot what was his hottest moment. But it is a case of right now he's playing well. He is a like Delacruz was to begin in the season, he's mm. extending that lineup of trusted bats and and long may it continue. Yeah, no doubt. Uh speaking about today's lineup, I mean John Birdie's up there in the five hole. I've never seen John Birdie hitting in the five hole. I mean I haven't looked at his you know his history and whatever, but I'm convinced John Birdie has never, ever been a five-hole hitter, ever. And so I think this is likely to be his first time. I'm probably talking nonsense, but it's funny because it feels like Skip's basically gone, 
okay lineup is sorted by average with Arias hitting in the spot he needs to. That's kind of what they've decided to do here, where Birdie right now is probably the fifth best best hitter with, you know, obviously Fortez in there and, um, you know, Joey Wendell's had a real slow start with some injury. But, you know, I, I think with Jesus Sanchez, he's on the heater, like you said. Brian De La Cruz was on one. He's cooled. And I think this is the point. You know, it's the same with Hampson. It's the same with, like, let's say, Peyton Birdie. If play them, just let them go. Play them until they're cool, they've cooled off, and then just mix and match and move them around. We'll wait to see. Running out of time, we did want to talk about the pen. I think it's right to talk about the pen. Two guys or two situations in particular I want to talk about, Sean. Let's start with Brazaban because he is quickly becoming a Marlins folk hero where I'm hearing like extend Brazaban conversations happening there's no need to extend him because he's under control until he's 55 because he's that old he's not you know maybe to go oh brazaban he's just a rookie right how old is he what 23 24 no he's he's mid-30s he's mid-30s the same age as me um but i must say mate what a find for the marlins here with brazaban they they somehow plucked him out of nowhere last year pitched okay last year in what was you know the dead end of the season and so you have to pinch assault it a touch you had these visa issues coming into this year, but the Marlins were were convinced and they were like all in on Brazaban. Um, and to be honest, mate, he has been absolutely sensational. And you, know, you haven't got Puck to lean on, or Floro maybe. Brazaban is your guy. He's been absolutely sensational, hasn't he? Yes, he's he's been coming in 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 huge spots and getting the job done. I mean. I've been doing some deep diving because well, I'm a statistical nerd. Uh, but basically, like some of these advanced numbers, like win probability added, like he's he's number one in, in the bullpen by by a long way. There are some other numbers which yeah. we're far too late into the into the pod already to start to get into. But no, Brazaban has been great, and and it's coming off of uh, an elite K per nine, eleven uh, K per nine, which is what he did last year actually, which surprised me a little bit pre pre-recording when we were talking about him. But the one thing that he has done is he's completely taken away the, the walks. His walks were something like five, nearly six last year per nine. And this year it was under two and a half. So he's, he's keeping that elite K per nine, but not walking anybody. And when you're coming into spots where you're coming into trouble, you're coming on with, with men on base, the last thing you want to do when you bring in a guy is having him walk people. Mm-hmm. So he's coming in on, the, on in these pressure situations and striking guys out. This is this is perfect for the Marlins. And as you said, completely out of the blue. This is just a guy that they yeah. picked off the track the track sheep and and they've worked with and they've found something. They've, they've got a guy that can strike people out, but he also got a bit of uh, control issues and they fixed the control issues. That's perfect. Just before I do stop talking, Bertie did hit in the five hole a couple of times last year in May and June. So <laughs> when those injuries hit, they really did hit, didn't they? I guess so. Thanks for looking that up, mate. <laughs> oh, Peter Pratt with another un- unsta- unsubstantiated rumor. I think that's the best way of phrasing it. Brazaban certainly has the dog in him, though, mate. I mean, this is it. Like he seems to come alive when there's when there's the heat on. I think I've used this reference before, but if I haven't, then I'm going to use it now. It's that 2020 James Hoyt role. Like, that's, that's always what I think about now, that fireman role. And I remember in 2020, uh, there's obviously the show. You know, everyone was on the, the Hoyt 
hype train. They was calling Joe as your hose, James Hoyt, and all these kind of things coming out of there. But Brazaban has been one hell of a story, and the Marlins should be applauded for this too. They've spotted something. They've developed something in, in the guy's latter years. And, you know, who knows how this year plays out. But as we know, the nearer you get to the deadline, often bullpen arms can be moved of teams that aren't contending. Particularly bullpen that have multiple years of control, it's even more valuable. Not to say that the Marlins should be moving Brazaban at all. But what I'm saying is, Bullpen arms can be moved, and those guys that have performed well, and we've seen the Marlins do it in the last couple of years, they have been moved. We'll wait to see how it plays out here on that one. Um, final piece, then we'll get out of here, mate. Going back to Saturday's game, Brian Hoeing, the start was scratched. Matt Barnes started the game, but Brian Hoeing came in to give starter length out of the bullpen. Barnes, Nardi, Hoeing. That's how they kind of lined it up. Uh, that is due to come back around on Friday against the, the Reds at home. I'm intrigued to see what the Marlins do. Reverted back to traditional Brian Hoeing, and he starts again. I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I didn't actually fully understand the reasons why he didn't start the game. I didn't quite understand what they were trying to do. Either way, it was successful. So we have to call that out. Actually, overall, it was a success. They didn't win the game because they ended up... Um, you know, I, I'm intrigued to see what they do here. Do you think they just revert back to Brian Hoeing starting the game against the Reds and, and let him go from the start? I don't know. What's your thoughts? I really hope not because I want to find out what they're playing at. <laughs> <laughs> Why? It doesn't Why? make any sense. Like, like... If you're going to go opener, then you go lefty, righty, or righty, lefty. But they went righty, lefty, then righty, main bulk of the innings. Yeah. And for me, if they do that again, then the questions have to be asked. Like, I, I feel like I'm pretty up on the idea of keeping up with Marlon's nudes, but there was nothing coming out on what they were thinking. It was just, we just sort of moved past it. But when you think about it, mm. Are they going double opener? And if they are, I mean that's that's pretty out there. I mean, I like my saber metrics, but that yeah. is pretty out there. Double opener. It's pretty. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> that that's a great point. Like you, I didn't. I think because it just kind of happened, and no one quite knew what was happening at the time. Then it was successful, and then they blew the game, and thus you then focus in on, like, okay, what went wrong? And it was that crazy inning, if you recall, where Guriel missed one at first base and Burdick lost one in the sun. So naturally, you get taken away from what was the rationale, and it worked well, to you can control the sun, uh, as per Skip Schumacher, which I love to hear, by the way. But I'm intrigued. Like you, have they gone double opener? The only thing, and we spoke about this before we, we hit record, so this isn't news to you, but the only thing that I could come up with was the fact that they wanted Andrew Nardi, the lefty, to face the, the middle of the order, which is quite lefty heavy, including Cody Bellinger, which didn't end well, by the way, because, you know, Bellinger absolutely torched Nardi again. Um, that's the only thing I could think of, was they were looking for that lefty matchup in the middle of the order. It's the only thing. I have nothing else. So... What happens if on Friday they go the double opener again? Have the Marlins started a new trend, which has been phrased um, by 
Sean Barrett here as the double opener. And I, I love that too. Um, but wait to see. Wait to see. Eddie Cabrera going in just under an hour's time. So, boy, boy. Eddie going, mate. Um, it's been up and down this far for Eddie. Strikeouts are there. The walks are there. What kind of Eddie Cabrera are you expecting today? I'm expecting I'm expecting a lot of strikeouts. That's that's the one thing that's been guaranteed so far. And it's kind of been, yeah, it's weird. It's not like he's been walking three or four a game. It's been seven and one and six and <laughs> yeah. two. It's It all depends on what edit you get. But the, the one thing you're going to guarantee is he's going to probably give you a little bit of length. You're probably going to get five, six innings out of him. He's going to strike out way over nine um, per nine, nine K per nine. Um, and it, it, it all depends on the walks. And I think it is a case of you'll know straight away. In the first inning or the second inning, you'll know what Eddie you're getting. Uh, but he's improved. Every, every, every single step of the way, I felt more and more confident in Eddie. Maybe not with the stats and numbers and everything, but just the way that he's pitched, the, the, the actual progression that he's made on the mound, um, sort of visually, has looked better. Um I would love to see. I'd love to see six innings, eight or nine Ks, yeah, one or two walk, a real controlled performance on the mound from him. Um, that that would be great, and I think I think he has it in him, and I think he is oh, yeah. progressing towards that. Yeah, me too. In the right way for some time now. I just, it's just, can we just see a? Con- I think the word you've used there is the right one. Can we see a controlled Edward Cabrera? And an aggressive Edward Cabrera in the first pitch. That's the key, isn't it? Skips called it out as well multiple times. Said it's not news to uh, to Mr. Cabrera. He's been saying it for months. That first pitch, first strike. That's what they're looking for. Aggressive in the zone, and then work off work off the rest of it. He said last time out the change was immense. So we hope to see that again for certain. Uh, let's hope there's some control. Let's hope there's some length as well. Just this Marlins bullpen. It needs a bit of a breather for all the firefighting that Brazzaban's been able to deliver. This pen has been heavily leaned on, is heavily gassed. There is an off day tomorrow, which I think comes at the right time. But nevertheless, the pen does need a breather because otherwise things are going to start to fall apart. And the pen has been a leading light here for the Marlins. Um, let's get out of here, though, Sean, because we have run long. Um, well, usual time for us. Um, so with that being said, the Marlins are playing the Diamondbacks this evening, very, very shortly, 3.40 Eastern, which is 8.40 UK time. You can catch every pitch of the Marlins' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Marlins for that one. Thanks for making Locked on Marlins your first listen of the day, guys. Thanks so much for the UK GOAT, Sean Barrett, for joining me on a UK-friendly pod with a few ciders in hand. We will be back tomorrow, of course, looking back at looking forward to the Red Series and likely slandering multiple players is just the gut feel on that one. Danny Rodriguez is... Stay tuned for that one. It was an absolute epic episode first time around. Danny back for his second appearance on Lockdown Marlins. Until then, hopefully the Marlins get the series win. We'll see you tomorrow.